What is up? We are back. It is November 23rd, Tuesday of 2021, week 11 in the books of this NFL season. I am your host, Randy Hammond, alongside Matt Bushnell. Matt, it's good to see your face once again. How are you doing on this marvelous Tuesday? Randy, I am doing fantastic, my friend. Let me tell you, Sunday was a kick in the old proverbial nuts, but leave it to the White Sox to drag me out of the depths of despair and hand me a gift of Kendall Graverman in the White Sox bullpen. Well, there you go. Early some hot stove talk. Uh, baseball season already before December. You got to love it. Um, but it's football season, Matt Bushnell. Regardless of how our teams do, we are here for the football. And it is episode 80. So if you're wondering why I'm wearing my Giants jersey today, I got to wrap my boy Victor Cruz. Uh, the first ever football game I watched in my life, Victor Cruz scored the game-winning touchdown with less than a minute left. Always going to be my guy. Salsa dancing in the end zone. Super Bowl champ. Obviously, so many great players wore the number 80. I'm sure Corey Richmond has a few for us in the comments. <laughs> Matt, number 80, who comes to mind for you? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to take the Bears tilt here and go Curtis Conway. Love Curtis Conway for the Bears. Drafted him in the first round. Well, really kind of an underrated wide receiver. Never reached his full potential that they thought they were getting with him. But we would be a miss, Randy, to not mention the greatest number 80 of them all. Jeremy Shockey. <laughs> Jeremy Shockey, of course. <laughs> another, another, another giant who won a ring with the team. Uh, number 80, really just a legendary number for the Giants altogether. Uh, <laughs> you know, Jerry Rice, of course, the, <laughs> the main guy we're talking about here. That goes without saying. Uh, definitely, uh, in my opinion, quarterbacks aside, top two players ever played in the sport. All right, well, we have a long, lengthy, great show for you, if you ask me. Uh, to get our hands on now, Matt, let's start with the primetime games, as we always do in Monday Night Football. Unfortunately, here, uh, Matt, we got to talk about my Giants. And it is a happy day here in New York, uh, because uh, despite losing 30-10 to 10 to the Buccaneers on Monday Night Football, there has been a change in the coaching staff. And that's something that I didn't want to happen to begin with. And sure enough, it took 26 games under Jason Garrett to finally say, this guy just isn't it. And sayonara, we hardly knew you. Get out of my life, Jason Garrett. Which, that's all great. But now we have Freddie Kitchens calling plays for the Giants in the future. So I don't know how much better that's going to be. But nonetheless, Monday Night Football, like I said, Tom Brady and the Bucks after losing two straight. Um, you know, beat up on the Giants 30-10. to 10. The Giants really were not in this game at all. I thought when they were – it was 17-10 to 10 at halftime. The Giants were, you know, pretty lucky to be in that situation because – the Giants really only scored three points in this game. It's going to say 30 to 10, but they had a deflection, uh, an interception off a deflection off Mike, uh, Mike Evans, and it kind of set them right up in field goal range, and it led to Andrew Thomas's touchdown. They got shut out in the second half. This offense is anemic. It is inept. It is completely incompetent, much like the organization itself. The defense, without Logan Ryan, without some other guys, cannot tackle to save their life, and Tom Brady and the Bucs just had their way with them. I don't know how much more we need to say. I feel like the Bucs are shaping into a team that I trust the most in the NFC, but this year feels like it's anyone's a year to take it's certainly not the Giants here to take their match but the Bucks certainly going to be there in the end yeah I, I think the biggest takeaway for me is and I, I heard the stat and I had to double check it but Andrew Thomas has one more touchdown than Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony that's just <laughs> that, that's mind-numbing yes like it you know your team's bad when that is one of the key stats to me and, and like Corey Decker referenced, there's going to be less clapping with Kitchens on the sideline. But um, to me, the Giants are just – draft mistakes. It just goes back to a guy like you could have had Tristan Wirfs. Instead, you ended up with Andrew Thomas. And Andrew Thomas will be a fine 
offensive lineman in this league. Like he's not going to be bad, but he's never going to live up to the number four pick when you're in a draft class of the likes of Tristan Wirfs and Mackay Becton. Um, th- those two guys are just really good at what they do better than Andrew Thomas will be at his job. Um, and of course, Beckman's been hurt off and on this year. So um, speedy recovery to him for the Jets. But then you take a look at guys like Saquon Barkley um, you know, and, and our good friend Vince Mercandetti and I, and I had this conversation and I asked if Saquon was a bust at this point. And in my opinion, um, I think he is a bust, just like I think Mitch Trubisky is a bust. My opinion, Randy, if a guy is no longer on your team and you drafted him within that top five and, you know, he never got past his rookie contract, that's a bust because you missed on a on a pillar, a guy that's supposed to be a cornerstone in your franchise and you missed on him. And I, I don't think there's any other way to classify it. So you take a look at a guy like Barkley and I think Daniel Jones is going to be put into that conversation pretty quickly because what I saw from him last night, you know, I said it in the chat. He is everything he wasn't supposed to be, and he's nothing that he was supposed to be coming out of the draft. Everything that everyone said about him, it's the exact opposite. He's a dumb football player. I think his arm is better than advertised. I think he's very athletic, but like his ability to diagnose defenses and know where to go with the football and, and all this stuff, it's, it's bad. It's beyond bad. He turns over the ball at a too high of rate. He doesn't make good reads at the, at the end of the line of scrimmage because we talk about it. When people talk about processing information, you know, moving off one read to the next read is very difficult for quarterbacks because you kind of have to refocus. That's why guys like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, these guys don't fall off of trees. So, you know, you got to be careful with what you pick. And Daniel Jones just isn't that guy. He has a real problem uh, going through his reads and his progressions. He is a one-read guy. I think that's very clear. When he comes off a of play action, he stares into one general area, um, whether it's a guy running the, the, the go route, a guy running the post or a deep out, uh, or even a guy in the flats. He really can only focus on one side of the field. He isn't capable of going here to here to here. Honestly, there's a little bit of a trust problem with the offensive line. I totally understand that. But even the greats can handle the pressure up in the middle and still be moving their head on a swivel because that's what football is. It's a fast game. Things happen quickly. And you saw it in the first drive. The Giants moved the ball down the field. They ultimately had to set up for a field goal because Daniel Jones missed a slant route to Kenny Galladay in the middle of the field because it wasn't his first read. It was his second. That, to me, is, says everything you need to know about Daniel Jones, that he – just something as simple as, okay, that's not there. Let me look quick. Like – that is the big issue. The other issue is the game plan. You have Kenny Galladay returning from an injury. You have Kadarius Tony back, and you have Saquon Barkley back. Those three guys are supposed to be your playmakers, your big-time playmakers. Not only – okay, so you could say Saquon doesn't look the same. I agree with you. Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony look fine to me, and you are not game-planning them to get the ball. I don't understand it. You drafted all these guys and put all these weapons around Daniel Jones to not utilize them. The Giants have no idea how to use the guys they actually have on their roster, and it's infuriating. Now, for the Saquon Barkley conversation, the word bust to me means the guy can't play. Um, it's, 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 I understand the thought process as to why you would call him a bust. To me, it's a failure. Absolutely. Bust to me means, uh, Ryan leaf. Uh, (laughs) and it means 
Jamarcus Russell, like guys who straight up should never be in the league. Like those to me are just miss, uh, like, like bad scouted players, guys who just, you know, uh, the, the, somebody saw him and were like, this is the guy. Like Daniel Jones to me is more of a bust than Saquon Barkley is because Daniel Jones, I'm not sure can play. Saquon to me can play or at least could play. Um, but it's a failure on a number of different levels. Like he's a running back. That's a position of luxury. <laughs> Only teams that are ready to win and can expend that uh, sort of draft capital should be using it in there. Um, running backs deteriorate faster than any other position in the NFL. This is not a, a fa- this is not an opinion. This is a fact. Their average span of career is like four and a half years, if that. I mean, these guys are in and out quicker than you can even give them a contract extension. So just those two things alone, I mean, the Barkley pick you could say was a failure from day one, just based on so many other factors. The fact that you needed a quarterback, your offensive line stuff, you needed a complete teardown, and you took a running back thinking he was going to patch it all together. So yeah. many different uh, miscalculations, as John Merritt would say, happened back in 2018. It all comes back down to a couple different people to me. John Merritt, one. Dave Gettleman, too. In 2018, when they brought in Dave Gettleman, they were coming off of a 3-13 and season with in cap hell, and they uh, were a number one, number two overall pick, the highest pick they ever had in the history of the franchise. So, okay, we're four years later. We've had, we're on our third head coach. Um, we just fired our offensive coordinator. You got rid of Eli Manning. Congratulations. You drafted the Eli retread and Daniel Jones, who doesn't look like he's even half the quarterback Eli Manning was. So to me, this has been a, a complete failure for a rebuild process because they're not any further along than they were four years ago. To me, they are right back where they started, except the quarterback's not 37. So uh, good. You got rid of Jason Garrett. That's step one. Step two, you have to get rid of Dave Gettleman. John Mara is never going to sell the team. The Maras are never going to get rid of the Giants. It is ingrained in their blood. I, I, I still have love for the Maras uh, in my heart, but they are they have grown to be pretty incompetent at this point. Um, but I have more faith in them than I do Dave Gettleman. Get someone who's not in your traditional tree, your, your people that you're used to. Like Get someone who's different. Maybe someone who says differently. Don't just hire people who tell you what you want to hear. So that's my big issue with the Giants. Uh, Joe Judge for now has a job. I think firing um, Garrett is something you do when you feel like your job is a little bit on the line here too. So we'll see what happens with the Giants going forward. But if they don't start to score points with the team that they currently have, Joe Judge might not be long for this too, because they're three and seven. They have a lot of winnable games coming up, but all those teams looking at them on the schedule, I've said this so many times, are looking at the Giants as a winnable game. My last point on the Giants, I posted it in Football Life earlier today. Touchdown scored on the offensive side of the football since the start of 2020. I went down to Disney World, <laughs> to Disneyland. I still don't know which one it is, but I went to Florida to Disney with my fiance and a couple friends. I met up with our friend Vince Burkendetti. 20 minutes before I met Vince in person, the Giants hired Jason Garrett. This was January of 2020 before <laughs> COVID hit everything. This day of, I swear, I was so angry that they did this because the, the Cowboys offense was so bad under him. They didn't even let him call plays anymore. So ridiculous. And I said, okay, good. So now Joe, if Joe Judge sucks, they're going to make Jason Garrett the head coach. Well, thank God that didn't happen. <laughs> since they hired Jason Garrett to be the offensive coordinator in 2020, the Giants have scored the fewest offensive touchdowns in the league at 42. And the most damning part of that entire thing, Matt Bushnell, the Detroit Lions have scored 20 more offensive touchdowns than the New York Giants have. This is a joke. Get everyone out of my life. I'm so sick of it. I'm I find myself thrilled every time they lose because Dave Gettleman just is more wrong and wrong and wrong every single snap. Yeah, you know, to move off to pivot off the uh, Giants, rightfully so, because I'm just it. You know, there doesn't we don't need to say much more than that. But the Buccaneers, uh, you know, your defensive tackle got an interception. 
Um, the defense, I thought, played well. It's hard to measure how well you do against a team like the Giants that are offensively inept. Um, I don't know if they have an elite player at any position on the field, and that's not what you want to hear. Um, the defense was able to stuff Saquon Barkley for most of the night, although Saquon looks slower and more beat up than he ever has, in my opinion. But on the offensive side of the football, I, I still see a lot of missed throws, some timing off with Brady, but I think the big news today was that Scotty Miller came off the IR, and I completely forgot about the guy. Yep. It totally slipped my mind. I'm like, oh, shit. So it's just like, oh, they get another weapon. And once AB gets through his vaccination card issues, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're going to have Gronk, Mike Evans, Scotty Miller back, Chris Godwin, you know, all these weapons are going to be at Brady's disposal. And Ronald Jones looked okay last night. Leonard Fournette was the ground and pound guy that you hope he was. If this is the time of year where it starts looking like they're going to get rounded back into shape and the Bucks are going to be a real problem for a lot of teams in the NFC because the Rams don't look that great to me. And I know we're going to talk about some teams in this pecking order, but man, uh, people better be prepared. I, th- I think Tampa's going to start separating themselves. Tampa also has had the most starting cornerbacks in the league at seven. They have four corners on IR at the moment. Vita Vea didn't play last night. So if the Bucs get healthy, they are one of the deepest teams in the league, if not the deepest. And like you said, all these weapons for, for Tom Brady, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's fair. I will say Gronk came back yesterday. I thought it looked pretty good. It kind of looked like old Gronk a little bit to me, and it kind of felt like he was – Brady's safety blanket for a lot of that game last night. So I think he only had uh, seven for 81 or something like that. But he, he, I mean, the Giants didn't really do a good job of covering him, but still Brady obviously trusts him. I think that's a huge thing. And um, yeah, I I think the Bucs are just, they're going to be there in the NFC title game. I think that's uh, just about as sure thing as we can have uh, this year in the NFL. Yep, I agree. All right, let's move on now to Sunday night football. And I got to admit, uh, I had the Chargers and four and a half in this game, so I'm pretty annoyed with how it ended. <laughs> but uh, I went to bed with the Chargers up 14 points. So I, uh, to be honest with you, thought I had this in the bag. But Chargers are going to Charger. The Steelers found themselves with a three-point lead uh, in the fourth quarter of this game. They scored 27 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, man, I, I probably shouldn't have gone to bed. This is a hell of a fourth quarter here. Yeah. Uh, but then Justin Herbert hits Mike Williams for the go-ahead touchdown uh, with just, a, I don't even remember, not that very much time left. But yeah. the Chargers win 41-37, and they couldn't cover for me. But this is a big win, I think, for Los Angeles. Yeah, I, I think it hurts Pittsburgh because T.J. Watt didn't play last night or Sunday night. Again, my night's mixed up here. But, <laughs> I, you know, if T.J. Watt plays, maybe it's a different story. Joey Bosa was able to play. The, the Chargers still seem a little bit off to me. I don't know what it is about that team right now, but it doesn't feel like they're clicking on all cylinders. And you think with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and, you know, kudos to Austin Eckler, who would have had the game of the day on Sunday if it wasn't for another running back. Seriously. Yeah. So congratulations to Eckler for a hell of a game um, Sunday night. But to me, the, the Chargers need to tighten a lot of things up defensively. You can't give up 30 plus points to the Pittsburgh Steelers at this point. In Big, a quarter. Almost in a quarter. I know. It, <laughs> to, to, to let Big Ben move up and down the field on you, it, it's pretty worrisome. And there's a team on in their division, the Chargers division, that are starting to look like they're starting to get right. So yeah. th- there's things that they got to watch out for. Uh, you know, m- maybe the pick of the Chargers competing, winning the division was a little bit ambitious, 
for some. Um, but you got to love the resiliency. Sometimes you got to win tough games. It's the NFL. Some weeks are just weird. You know, any team can beat any team on any given Sunday. And I know that's kind of cliche, but honest to God, that's what it is. But you're going to see the best teams at the end, I feel. Um, every year, you know, we go through some phase during the schedule, like, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. Oh, my God, this team did this. And it's just like, relax. It doesn't matter. At the end, you're going to get the best teams. And I, and I think we're headed for that anyway. So in my opinion, Chargers are a good football team. They should make the playoffs. I don't think there's an excuse in the world for the Chargers not to make the playoffs other than the AFC is freaking loaded. Yeah. with a bunch of these five, six, seven win teams. So it'll be interesting for the Chargers. It was a fun game. The, the game was like, the game was drunk. You know, a lot of, a lot of people were commenting <laughs> that this game is drunk. <laughs> it, I think it, it was probably drunk too. <laughs> probably. I mean, if this game was drunk, the Bears game and the Ravens game on Sunday, that was hungover. Yeah, she's so, oh, we'll get that to that a, one too. Yeah, Good Lord. That was a stinker. <laughs> but um, you know, good job for the Chargers. I, I like what I saw resiliency-wise. Although I don't like some of the mistakes, I, I do like what I saw from them fighting. Yeah, I, look, there it's a home game for the Chargers technically, but there were more Steelers fans there than oh, Chargers wow. fans. I don't even know if there are that many Chargers fans out there, but the Steelers are one of the fan bases that travels very well. There's a lot of yellow, terrible towels flying around in that stadium. So I thought it was a big deal that the Chargers ended up coming away with this win because we've seen the Chargers lose games like this so many times, um, especially in the Phillip Rivers era. I felt like it happened every other week. It yeah. was such a cliche thing. You just expected it. Um, but here's where I have to come back and just remind all of you that I am in full bloom love with Justin Herbert because <laughs> this man uh, was incredible in this game. And uh, he was 30 of 41, 382 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. And he also had nine carries for 90 yards. Um, he's the first quarterback ever to have 380 passing yards and 90 rushing yards. I mean, this guy is a physical freak who has weapons around him to make things happen. He throws the prettiest deep ball outside, maybe Aaron Rodgers, uh, maybe Russell Wilson. I think I've ever seen it. It's just, it looks yeah. so effortless for him. It, it's just, I, I love the guy. And I think the chargers are going to be relevant all season long because of him. And Eckler is just an unbelievable playmaker. Like I'm a big running backs don't matter guy, but when you're a playmaker like Eckler, who he had 11 carries for 50 yards and two touchdowns, but he also had six catches for 65 yards and two more receiving <laughs> touchdowns. Like Eckler is all over the field. Always like you love a guy like that. Um, and a Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, like you said, nine for him, one twelve. Keenan Allen five for 97 in the game winning touchdown for Mike Williams. Like they have talent. The concern with the Chargers is on the defensive side of the ball. And I think, you know, I think Joey Bosa missed this game, I believe, right? Or was I, was I wrong? Well, no, no, he, he played. But Okay, he played. Yeah. He had the COVID scare, but he did play. But the Chargers have issues on the defensive side of the ball for sure that they're going to have to get cleaned up. But they're going to win games like this. This is how it's going to be for them. Um, they're 6-4 and four, right in the thick of that AFC uh, playoff picture. Uh, they're right in it for the division, and they're definitely in it for the wild card at the moment. So we'll see how the rest of the season goes for them. And the Steelers now 5-4-1. and one. Yeah, they're still in it too, in theory. Yeah. I mean, that's not a you know death sentence for their season by any means. So, uh, I think the tie with the Lions is <laughs> something you <laughs> want to have on your record. But that's that's what it is for now. And this is probably the last great game for Big Ben. We're probably going to see. I would say uh, mm -hmm. twenty-eight of forty-four, two hundred seventy-three yards and three touchdowns. He looked cooked uh, for a lot of the season coming in. So I was surprised at his performance as well. But 
but good game. Pretty entertaining game. Love, love any game on SoFi Stadium that I, I would love to go check that place out for myself. Yeah, it was a fun game. I loved it. All right. Well, now all the way back to Thursday night football now, and we don't got to spend a ton of time on this because the Falcons didn't look like they spent a ton of time on this. <laughs> uh, they scored as many points as you and I did. Uh, <laughs> so the Patriots won this game 25 to nothing. They are now seven and four on the season uh, and have won three in a row. Um, the freaking Patriots now lead the AFC East. I should add, add to this. They are very much relevant. They are not dead, unfortunately, when Tom Brady left. Uh, this is very much a Bill Belichick team to me. They run the ball. They play good defense. They're very well coached. This is a Bill Belichick uh, wet dream, if you ask me. I think this is exactly what he's looking for. Uh, with As long as his game manager quarterback doesn't make mistakes, they're going to win games like this. And I would say, Matt, the, before I toss to you, the most <laughs> the funniest thing about this game, and Corey Decker in the comments beat me to it, but Josh Rosen comes in. Immediately throws a pick six. Immediately doesn't first snap is a pick six to Kyle Van Noy, and then they go, "All right, well, screw this guy. Let's put Felipe Franks in the game." And if you know that name, it's because he started at Florida for four years. It's like forever, but he started at Florida for four years. And he comes in immediately, throws an interception, and it looks like the exact same play. I just I can't with the Falcons, and uh, you know they're still in a freaking NFC playoff picture too. It's ridiculous. But what do you make? this game i don't even do you remember anything it's been so long oh god i remember this game being a complete just you know i I, i'm a fan of mike florio i like to read some of his work and his tweets are hilarious and he said it best how the hell did the falcons get four wins this year my my god this team is awful they suck at every level matt ryan you know we buried ben roethlisberger before the year but i think we buried the wrong guy we should have buried matt ryan because he sucks i mean (laughs) he just sucks i'm sorry i hate to say professional football players flat out suck but matt ryan sucks and then you throw in someone that sucks more than josh rose or more than matt ryan and josh rosen sucks more than josh or matt ryan Josh Rosen's off. I don't know how he still has a job in this league. And then we throw in a guy that sucks more than the other two suckers sucked. And that's <laughs> Felipe Frank. So it was just a great, a great viewing of what suckage looks like because this game was full of it. And, I, you know, I'm going to hit on Mac Jones real quick. because I think this is important. A lot of people are building like this hype train for Mac Jones. That Patriots defense is for real. I mean, you go in there with a dumbass game plan. They are absolutely going to kill you. Mac Jones can't throw the ball 10 plus yards down the field. Like he can throw it within that 10 yard window and let the wide receivers do the work, but his accuracy goes way, way down once he has to make a throw farther than 10 air yards. I think I counted it. I think he had like three air throws of over 10 yards that game or maybe four or five, but it it was in single digits, Randy, and it looked awful. So like people want to jump on this Patriots team. They're leading the AFC East. And I think that's a referendum on Josh Allen more so than anything else. And how bad the dolphins are with Tua that situation. But to me, the bills are in trouble. The Patriots are going to beat bad teams because they're just better coaching. This is a coaching league. Coaching matters. And anyone that tells you that a coach does not matter in the NFL has no idea what they're talking about. Because there's teams out there with talent, you know, now the Detroit Lions, I think we can both say they are the most talentless bunch out of the entire NFL. There's just not a lot of talent on that roster. Maybe the Texans. 
maybe the Texans. That's that's a good point. But a team like the Giants, a team like the Bears, a team like, you know, the Vikings, a team like the Seahawks kind of ish. I don't know. It depends how you feel about Pete Carroll. But then you even take a look at a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are immensely talented. That's just a stupid football team. Yeah. You know, so we, t- we take a look at these teams and they could all be around 500. The Vikings, in theory, could be leading the division. You could argue that they should only have lost one or two games this entire year, yep. but they're just tremendously outcoached every single game. Now we got to take a look at it like this, this Belichick team is going to outcoach, I'd say, 95% of the entire league. But yeah. you know you're right, but I, I had an argument with a Bills fan in my life on Sunday, and I said, you know, the Patriots are better than the Bills. And he argued with me about it. He's like, Oh, the Bills have the number one defense, and they uh you know do all the things better than the Patriots do. And I'm like, Well, I'll give you the edge at quarterback, and I'll give you the edge at receiver if you're Buffalo. You can tell me the Bills have the number one overall defense. I gotta look at the updated stats at now after what happened to them last week, but <laughs> And I looked at it coming in. The, the Pats had the second best defense in the league. And the Bills had the number one defense in the league. I go, get. I like my chances with Bill Belichick and the second best defense in the NFL. Yeah. Sorry, I just do. I, I know the Bills statistically <laughs> have a better defense, which, I again, I have to check the updated stats because they did not look good on Sunday. Uh, but I just think, the, I mean, you could say they are, or they're not better. They're just playing better. Fine. But the Patriots here are leading the AFC East for a reason. Yeah. And coaching is one of the main ones. So. Yeah, the defense is fast. You know, their, their secondary is awesome. I mean, just watch the Patriots secondary. They move and they shift and they do things quarterbacks have no chance against. And Matt Judon, for as much shit as we gave the Patriots about all these B-plus signings or B signings, Matt Judon is a fucking terror on, on other opponents' quarterbacks. He's been amazing this year. So the Patriots have a really good defense, really sneaky. Offense is efficient enough. But my biggest fear is when you get a team that can put up a lot of points in a hurry, I don't know if the Patriots are going to be able. Uh, Patriots, to me, can't come back. I, I don't think they're built for that. Yeah, we haven't really seen them in that spot, so I guess we'll find out. Um, J.C. Jackson, I think, deserves a shout-out yes. from us on this podcast because he uh, gets a turnover seemingly every week, and probably one of the main reasons that the Pats could uh, get rid of Stephon Gilmore. Uh, he has been remarkable for them. Yeah. And speaking of Matt Judon, this is going to be a nice transition into our game previews. There are some major controversies surrounding Matt Judon today. I don't know if you saw. Big time, big time controversy. Like this could be banned from the NFL type stuff. He said mac and cheese is overrated as a side dish. And he's speaking in Thanksgiving terms in general, but he says it's just noodles and cheese and that it's overrated and people overhype it too much. To me, I think the league's going to come down with a fine, maybe a suspension. I don't know, but this is just blasphemy to me. Cancel his ass. He, he, <laughs> he has no place in the NFL. You know what? I, I'm disgusted. Mac and cheese is the number one side dish on my big board for Thanksgiving meals. Not only is mac and cheese number one on Thanksgiving, but Christmas. You could put it on Halloween. Halloween, it works great. Mac and cheese goes with all seasons, all years, all holidays. Don't you dare trash mac and cheese, Matt Judon. Yeah, so to me, I expect, you know, he might not be a factor for the Patriots for some time now. There's there's no place 
in the league, in the world, honestly, for that sort of talk. It's just disgusting. It's just unbelievable. Now, now speaking of Thanksgiving, we're not going to talk about the food yet. Yet, don't get, don't get there. And this is a little, little, little appetizer for you if you like that. Um, Thanksgiving Day football, Matt, one of my favorite traditions every year on Thanksgiving. My family, my fiance, whoever, all hate me for it because I'm there at noon watching the Lions lose every single year. And it's my favorite thing, whether it's David Blau, John Kitna, whoever, uh, whatever random quarterback the Lions throw out there, I'm all and give it to me, Joey Harrington. Name your pick. I'm all there. They got the uniforms that look like my high school uniforms. They look too poor to put a logo on them. Just give it to me all. I, I love it. It's just the Lions sucking every year at Thanksgiving. One of my favorite traditions. I usually got a beer cracked. It's the best. Uh, this year, and if we get it the same two teams, whatever. I'm all for it. At this point, it's tradition. Thanksgiving Day, this Thursday, kicking us off at noon Eastern Standard Time, uh, whatever time it is in Arizona. I still don't understand the daylight saving time thing, but uh, the Bears, your Chicago Bears with Andy Dalton starting at quarterback, traveling to Detroit, to Ford Field to play the winless Lions. I hear you have some Matt Nagy thoughts. Matt Nagy thoughts. Let's get those out of the way right now. Yeah, so a tweet was sent out by a, God, I forget his name. Um, but he was a Pulitzer Prize winning author, journalist for the Chicago Sun-Times. And he said he had a source, a high-ranking source within the Chicago Bears organization that said Matt Nagy would be fired at the conclusion of the Lions and Bears game. Now, Nagy... Uses, or is unconditionally? I, he, he said unconditionally. Okay. Like, N- Nagy's just gone which is interesting because how do you fire a coach after he wins? Um, It's it's an interesting set of things. Like everything, everything out of the woodwork is coming out about the Chicago Bears team. And in this season, it's really not a surprise to me anymore because how dysfunctional this has become, you know, with all the injuries, the defense has taken a major step back. I, I think it's time to bury them. Offense can't put up points. Matt Nagy. You know, it comes in as this offensive genius, and I'm just going to say this. I don't want to get in my Matt Nagy speech because I've done it way too often, way too much. I thought he should have never coached this year for the Chicago Bears, and Ryan Pace should have been gone too. But these two clowns, for whatever it is, you know, this offense has not broke above 20th since the Mark Trestman era. This has been a bottom fourth defense in the entire NFL since Mark Trestman in 2013 so with all that being said they can fire them now they can fire them after thanksgiving they can fire them at halftime i don't give a shit i want the guy gone i you know nice guy whatever but he needs to go this shit isn't working the bears look like a mess and i think that i think detroit's gonna beat them randy i really do you can't go if a high-ranking official for this guy that that's won a pulitzer prize to come out and say this for, you know, that source has to have some sway behind them. I, I wonder if it's George McCaskey. I wonder if it's Ryan Pace, maybe Ryan Pace has said, Hey, this isn't my fault. That's that jackass's fault. Get him out of here. So to, to me, this, this reeks of dysfunction. And then another story came out and, and this is the trifecta of the Matt Nagy era. Justin Fields was the number two rated quarter or, or, you know, the backup quarterback to start the season and, you know, throughout some preseason action. Do you know what Matt Nagy had him doing when he was the backup quarterback? 
running uh, scout team. Mm, I was going to say holding kicks. Well, that, that would have been worse. But he had his backup quarterback running scout team, which is traditionally held for your third string quarterback, which was Nick Foles. And it apparently pissed off Justin Fields a great deal. And the relationship has been fractured ever since. So to, to me, you know, who would have guessed that this clown show would have happened like this to start the season? This whole franchise is a joke. You get tired of hearing about it. And this is why Detroit's going to win. Offensively, they're not going to do anything with Andy Dalton. And I don't care if it's Jared Goff or Tim Boyle starting. Kendall Vildor on the defensive side of the football for the Chicago Bears will draw a pass interference flag when the game's on the line. You know, double coverage. They had double coverage on a on a Ravens wide receiver. I think it was Bateman. And he grabbed him around his waist with safety top over help, over top. And it was just ridiculous. So I don't know, Randy. I, I just I'm so sick of this fucking team. I uh Tyler Huntley is a guy I never heard of before in my life until Sunday. And look good. He, he's a a bit of a Lamar Jackson, like a poor man Lamar Jackson, because he kind of <laughs> looks like him on the field. <laughs> he kind of runs similar uh out there. And he looked terrified and petrified in the fourth quarter of that game, and yet still found a way <laughs> to drive down the field. And, and beat the Bears, and that I could not believe it because I really thought at least the Bears have a good defense. They'll tighten up. They'll they'll, they'll finish the game here because they gave they got a gift with the Dalton bomb for the touchdown, and then Mooney makes an unbelievable play for a touchdown in that game. Just they still found a way to lose. To me, this team has given up on Matt Nagy. <laughs> I think the players who I think are pretty talented. I think Fields isn't going to play this game. No, um, but. I just think the, the guys besides Dalton and maybe a couple others have sort of given up on this current situation. Uh, and maybe once Nagy's out the door, they, they're all back, they're all back in. Yeah. With that said, I don't know if I believe that Tim Boyle could beat my high school defense. So I don't know if I'm really willing to say that they're going to win this game. What I want, I want Dan <laughs> Campbell holding that Turkey leg as I'm eating my turkey leg, like with tears rolling down his face, Lions finally get a win, and it's on Thanksgiving with those horrible uniforms at Ford Field. That's what I want, and I want thing. I'm going to root for things that I want, so I'm going to root for the Lions here. And I, my my head is telling me to pick the Bears, but my heart is telling me to pick the Lions, and I am going to pick the Lions here. And just one of the worst football games you're ever going to watch in your life. I'm going to go 15 to 14. Team Detroit Lions all on field goals too. So th th there's also another stat floating out there. The Bears have failed to score any points in the first half in 21 of their last 43 games. That's so hard to fucking. <laughs> I don't even know how the hell that's possible. Oh my god, I, I'm I'm picking Detroit in this game because there's a chance that Jared Go Jared Goff is going to start. And that's yes. kind of where we're at right now. Like Jared Goff can beat this Bears team. Max out. You know, Akeem Hicks is probably going to be out. I don't see Allen Robinson playing. Justin Fields is going to be out. Darnell Mooney was a limited participant in practice today. It's just this team. I can't put into words how you lost that game to the Ravens. And you had Tony Romo and Jim Nance on there. And I'm just going to blast Tony Romo. I used to have a lot of respect for Tony Romo. 
but the, but the shit that he was saying, he sounded like he was working for the Bears PR, like puffing up Ryan Pace. Oh, yeah. you know, this offense is close. Yeah. Yeah, they haven't scored more than 20 points. I well, hold on. How many times they scored 20 points this year? Twice? Twice in 10 games. This offense has scored 20 points. That isn't close. It's not. You know, it's about as close as I am to you right now, Randy. That's how close the Bears offense is. 2,500 miles. <laughs> 2,500 miles. I, I am so sick of this crap. Tony Romo just needs to sit down. And I, I'm going to go to the Lions to shut up everybody. They're going to get their first win. I didn't think it was possible. I, I, saw, I saw this game. I was like, there's no way the Bears are going to lose to the Lions. But if you watch that Ravens game, the Bears give you hope where there is no hope. So give me the Lions 17 to the Bears 9. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize Goff was on pace to play, uh, but apparently he is. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on this. Emmanuel Davila in the comments section says, Dalton has been out playing fields in the two games they played. I don't care what you guys say. And um, like I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. I know fields has looked pretty poor, but to me that comes down to coaching. And uh, I feel like Nagy has just been done a really poor job of uh, putting fields in situations to succeed. So you see, here's the thing. Like we can talk about this for a minute. Dalton threw a lateral pass to Darnell Mooney who ran 66 yards. Is that out playing fields? Is that play really that hard? So you're telling me Justin Fields can't throw a lateral pass to Darnell Mooney and Darnell Mooney can't break some tackles. And keep in mind, the two games, Dalton sucked, absolutely sucked against the Rams. I watched that game. Yeah, they got first down, first down. He throws a terrible red zone interception. Just got awful. Andy Dalton has, this narrative has been on Andy Dalton forever. He's not good. He's okay. He's good enough for you to lose every week with. That's how good Andy Dalton is. His better years are behind him. So, yeah, Justin Fields is a rookie. Is he going to have struggles? Yes. But watch this offense. You can blame Justin Fields if you want, but we saw the same shit with Mitch Trubisky. The things that Trubisky was good at, Nagy refused to run. This offense is stupid from top to bottom. Dalton takes a two-step drop, boom, ball's gone. Two or three-step drops, boom, ball's gone. Justin Fields, they're calling seven-step drops. Like this is 1995. The shit needs to stop. Nagy has put Justin Fields in a position to fail more times than succeed. So, yeah, you know what? Justin Fields is not absolved from criticism. He holds onto the ball too long. He takes too many big hits, and he waits for his receivers too much. All fair criticisms. But if you don't have a guy, and this is what we talk about a lot, Randy, with young quarterbacks, you need a coach that's going to be with you to help you grow. Bears don't have that. You know, the, the Justin Herberts of the world don't fall into your lap every so often. And Justin Herbert was ready to go from day one, which was amazing. But he has Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, and I believe he had Hunter Henry last year, memory serves me correct. So the Bears don't have that. They have Allen Robinson, who's who's all right. And then they have um, Darnell Mooney, who we all think is a solid number two, but probably never going to be a number one. That's it. This team isn't good. Flat out. The offensive line sucks because the coaching sucks. That's it. I I got nothing else to say. There you have it. Uh, our friend Leon Tompkins is going to have a happy Thanksgiving after all here if, if it goes the way we both think it's going to go uh, there in Detroit. So let's move on to the second game on Thanksgiving, and this is the 430. This is the game that I'm normally 
sleeping for the first part of. I'm usually out, I'm taking my little Thanksgiving snuzz after that first round of food, and I'm waking up uh, watching the, watching this game, ready for my my second. So uh, I usually get the John Madden flashbacks with the turducken and then all that. Uh, I just this whether whoever I know the Lions and the Cowboys always play, and people hate it, but to me it's just something comforting about it. Uh, this year you get the Raiders traveling to Dallas to uh, to play the Cowboys. And uh, obviously if this game happened a month ago, you'd be a lot more excited about it. I think the Raiders uh, are really, really falling off of a cliff here um, because of the, you know, you start with the Gruden stuff and then now you go with, <laughs> to the Henry Rugg situation. Now they just feel like a team that is kind of falling off the rails. I mean, Rich Pasiccia, you can't really blame him. It's kind of, he's the interim guy. I thought he had them playing pretty well for the first couple of weeks, but things are kind of going off the rails for them. Now, Dallas, uh, I should say Vegas lost to the Bengals last week. Uh, not that competitive of a game either. I think the Bengals kind of had their way with them. Dallas goes into KC to play the Chiefs in a game that I expected them to win. I thought they were the better team. Um, Zeke goes out. Uh, Lamb gets hurt. Dak doesn't look like himself. The Chiefs defense really looked pretty good in that game, which I didn't expect to see at all. They lose 19-9. to They only scored 10 points on the Chiefs defense. Shocker to me. I mean, they didn't have Cooper. They didn't have Lamb in the second half. I'm not trying to make a ton of excuses, but those things matter at the end of the day, too. Um, so the Dallas looks like they're going to be banged up coming into this one, but I like them more than much more than I like Vegas at this point. Yeah, Dallas has more continuity. I, I think they have some things that they have to iron out. You know, they were really hot in the beginning of the year. But, you know, not having Amari Cooper hurts. Well, let's face it. I mean, he's their number one wide receiver. And then C.D. Lamb gets knocked out with a concussion. And, you know, he might not play this Thursday either. Um, I read that he was trying to do some workout stuff today. But, you know, that short turnaround to play on a Thursday after suffering a concussion on a Sunday, I find it hard to believe that he's going to get cleared to play on Thursday. But you never know. It's the NFL. Strange things happen. Uh, To me, though, the talent is still on Dallas's side defensively. I think they're good enough to really put up a fight. You know, Hunter Hunter Renfro is a nice player. Darren Waller... I mean, I guess we could check the stats. I, I don't know the stats on Darren Waller, Randy, but to me, it feels like he's been kind of, you know, m- missing, I guess. You know, it, it doesn't feel like there's a heavy impact from Darren Waller. And Henry Ruggs was the guy that took the top off the defenses, and now he's gone. So there's some things there. Maybe Deshaun Jackson's able to do that, but watching Deshaun Jackson fumble in his Raiders debut, I mean, it just wasn't – it wasn't a pretty sight. I, I just think Dallas – it's kind of on a different plane than the Las Vegas Raiders are right now. And that's why I'm going to pick Dallas. I, I think it's going to be a close scoring game. I still, I think Cooper's definitely out and I think CD lamb won't play. So for yeah. that, yeah. So, so for that reason, I'm going to take Dallas 20 to 17 over the Las Vegas Raiders. I still think you can run all over the Raiders. I think the Bengals showed that the Bengals uh, had a fake flea flicker in that game that worked Beautifully. I don't think I've ever really seen that work that well. I thought that was really well done. Uh, but between Zeke and Pollard, and I still think, you know, Michael Gallup's a good player. The Cowboys can utilize their tight ends a little bit better in this game. Uh, Wilson's their, their, their fourth string guy who's going to play, get a ton of targets as well. I just think the firepower for Dallas, much like you said, uh, is much greater than the than the Vegas at this point. And I feel bad for Derek Carr. I feel like he's kind of been left out to dry for a lot of this. 
Waller's been good. He hasn't been great, but when tight end standards, he's still among the best of the best when it comes to the tight end position. So um, I, I do like Dallas. I think it'll be kind of close, but uh, I think Cowboys went by a touchdown. I'll say 24 to 17 uh, in this one. So uh, back in the day, uh, Thanksgiving featured two games and those were it. And now more recently, they said, let's take advantage of that Thursday night football slate and add a third one. This is probably the most interesting or at least the most stakes on the line here, but the Buffalo Bills traveling to New Orleans to play the Saints. And uh, look, this is the first time in I think ever that all six teams playing on Thanksgiving are coming in after a loss. (laughs) All of these teams that are playing on Thanksgiving lost on Sunday. The Bills got shellacked by the Indianapolis Colts 41 to 15. Oh, uh, Jonathan Taylor scored five touchdowns in that game. And the Bills now are six and four, trailing the Patriots in the AFC East. And the Saints, who we all thought they had a great defense, gave up a 40 burger to the Eagles on the road. They lose 40 to 29. And they really get 29. A lot of that was in the fourth quarter. They scored 22 in the fourth, kind of a junk time there. Um, so to me, I mean, both. Well, now the Saints are five and five. So both of these teams are in the mix in the playoffs, both of their conferences. I think it's a must win for both of them. And if the Bills lose this game, it's going to get late early. We might be talking about them missing the playoffs altogether if they lose this game. And the same can be said for the Saints. So what do you make of this matchup here on Thursday night? Josh Allen has to be the Josh Allen he was last year. Yeah. If he's not, the Bills are not good enough to win these games for, uh, you know, with playoff implications now the saints are just injury beaten to hell i think kamara is going to be out again i'm not sure i'll have to double check on that stat but if kamara is out i don't see how the saints win this game you know i i just there's too many things that are against the saints marcus callaway has been a non-factor the quarterback position has been absolutely abysmal um, i don't care if you stick Taysom hill or the other guy back there it's it's bad So now we're kind of stuck in this bizarro Saints world where the Saints really have to rely on their defense to keep the opponent under 13, 15 points a game now in order for them to be competitive. And I don't think they're going to be able to stop the Bills from getting to 20. So, Randy, I for me, I like the digs and Allen to kind of get back on track here a little bit. I think it's going to be a tough game. And I think all three of these games are going to be low scoring, but I think this will be the highest scoring of the bunch just because of the Bills. So give me the Bills 24, the Saints 15. Yeah, I just think that the uh, the Saints are hurting too much on the offensive side of the ball. Trevor Simeon's out there playing quarterback, uh, and Camaro was on the non-participant practice list along with Mark Ingram. So I don't really know what the running back situation looks like there in New Orleans. So um, I don't know what the hell the Taysom Hill thing is. He just signed a hybrid contract. I don't know if you saw that, that they yeah. are paying him, depending on the position that he plays, whether it's quarterback or you know receiver, running back, whatever. I've never seen anything like that before. That's pretty wild. But uh, they are in love with Taysom Hill, but they don't really use him that much. It's kind of a weird dynamic. I like their defense still. I like their defense more at home than I do on the road. But I don't know, man. They, they did just beat Brady a couple weeks ago at home. So I just think they kind of own the, the Bucks in a way, in a weird way. So I don't know if that sort of carries over like this would. Um, give me the Bills just in a close game here. I'll say Bills 23, the Saints 20 uh, in a game the Bills desperately need to have. So uh, I like that to be a close one. Overall, entertaining Thanksgiving football day, despite the quarterback play or whatever you want to say, I think it'll be a good one uh, just because I, I'm kind of hoping for it. 
Yeah, that All first right. game's going to suck. Yeah, it's going to be bad. But I'm looking forward to uh, watching it like I do every year. Uh, all right, so we have uh, so many games, other uh, like so many other games to talk about still on Sunday, and let's begin with the early slate. Uh, let's begin with my Giants. Uh, we talked about the Giants already <laughs> and their ineptitude, and uh, now they get a hated division rival coming into town for the first time this season. If you remember at the end of last year, we all wanted, I all, well, all the Giants fans wanted the Philadelphia Eagles to come to MetLife in week one because. They intentionally lost in week 17. They screwed the Giants out of a postseason berth. Well, screwed. You could be lose, used uh, loosely there. The Giants were 6-10. and 10. Didn't deserve to be in the playoffs anyway. Uh, but nonetheless, Philly benched Jalen Hurts in the second half, uh, essentially clinching the playoffs for the Washington football team. Then uh, on draft night, the Giants very clearly wanted Devontae Smith. Uh, and then Philly trades up to 10 with the Cowboys to take Devontae Smith. So they're big, bad blood here between the Giants and Eagles. And I hate Philly more than I hate anyone else not named the Dallas Cowboys. So, <laughs> um, And the, the, this is what bothers me. The Eagles are supposed to be in a rebuild and all this stuff. And here they are, five and six. They've won three in a row. They they run the ball very well. I mean, this is a run first team. Nick Sirianni has them playing very well. Uh, Darius Slay has scored a touchdown in the last three games. The rushing attack of Hertz, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Jordan Howard reincarnated all of a sudden. I, and then, you know, Kenneth Gainwell, I believe, is the guy, another guy in here. I mean, the Eagles are interesting. They're a very interesting football team. And if they win this game, they are also right in the thick of it here in the NFC playoff situation. Um, the Giants are a mess. I do think the Giants are going to come out and excited to play this game. They, they've been <laughs> waiting for the Eagles for a long time. That doesn't mean they're good enough to win. The Giants have proven many times that they are not good enough to win. It would be very Giants to lose this game in heartbreaking fashion, and ultimately I think that's what's going to happen here. Yeah, I, I think the Eagles win this one pretty easily. I, I like everything that I've seen from them lately. Jalen Hurts has played a very similar game to Lamar Jackson, which, I mean, coming out of the draft, I really like Jalen Hurts. I, I thought he would be a sneaky, really good pick. I wanted the Bears to take him. But, you know, that's too much for Matt Nagy to comprehend, but that's okay. You know, because we'll just watch Jalen Hurts win a future MVP trophy. That's all. But to me, the the Giants are going to be outclassed because I don't know if they have the defense to stop a mobile quarterback like that. Jalen Hurts is going to run on them quite a bit and really stress that pocket. The Giants like to play a lot of man coverage. So it'll be interesting to see. If the Giants can get home and get some pressure on them, which – if you watch that Tampa Bay game, Randy, they couldn't breathe on Brady. They didn't get close. They didn't touch him. It's going to make for a long day at the office. Um, Dallas Goder just got rewarded with a nice fat contract for a tight end. So good for him. Um, I like Philly's defense. They're playing hard and coming off a bad game for the Giants. I don't see it getting much better. So Monday night, game I never like these teams going into the next week just because it, you know it kind of messes with your schedule a little bit so go ahead and give me the rant or give me the Rams. give me the Eagles fly Eagles fly I'm going to take the Eagles 27 to the Giants 13. The interesting thing like I feel like Brady used his legs a little bit yesterday uh against the Giants which it's it's Brady so you know take that with a grain of salt but he had a nice first down run and he slid and then he got right up and just like did that whole Brady like let's go thing and um if that if that if that's happening with Tom Brady on, on the side what, what do you think Jalen Hurts is gonna do uh Jalen Hurts is a hell of an athlete and 
I would say his strong suit for sure is running the ball. So the Giants have these hog mollies, you know, Dave Gellman likes to say, um, that don't really do the things that they're supposed to do. Uh, Leonard Williams gets a pressure every once in a while, and then the fans lose their minds. Uh, Dexter Lawrence is really good at getting blocked. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> the, the, the linebackers can't tackle very well. The secondary definitely can't tackle. So I think this is just a bad matchup because the, unless they can start tackling, which uh, you know, so magically become a good tackling team in week 12 in the NFL season, this is going to be a long day for the Giants. I think the Eagles own the time of possession. I think they keep the ball out of the Giants' offense, which you know might even be a disadvantage. You might want the ball in the Giants' offense's hands at this point, but no Jason Garrett. I want to see what the Giants look like if they come up with a game plan to get the ball into their playmakers' hands. Who knows? Can we get Gary Tony in space? Can we get the ball to Galladay? Maybe throw him a jump ball, let him make a play. Like Despite with how bad the Lions were, Stafford always gave him a chance to make a play, and a lot of times it worked out. Uh, hell of a concept. And the Eagles are terrible when it comes to defending the tight end. So maybe Evan Ingram can get involved. Who knows? Like I don't expect the Giants to do anything smart or successful, but there are avenues here for success. But the Eagles... I don't know what it is about Sirianni, but he has them playing really well, and the rushing attack so far has worked really well. So give me the Eagles here. I think they're going to play ball control. I think they're going to dominate the time of possession, and I think it's just going to be too much for the Giants to handle here. Give me the Eagles 26 to the Giants 20. So Derek Wright, good friend of the show. Fun fact. My my guy Derek Wright. Your guy Derek Wright. Darius Slay has scored three touchdowns in November. While Detroit has scored four all month as a team. <laughs> Maybe the Giants have only scored three touchdowns as a team this entire month, too. I, I kind of say, I don't think it's much more than that if it is. <laughs> I don't think they've scored very many touchdowns. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, 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 get that man on the offensive side of the football. And the Giants were gifted a touchdown last night. And if it wasn't for that interception, they wouldn't have even scored that one. So yeah. um, that's funny. Darius Slay uh, had a little nice revenge game against the Lions. And he's playing good football right now. I expect him to shadow his former teammate, Kenny Galladay, in this one. So uh, are, you taking, are you taking the Eagles here? Yeah, 27-13. 27-13, got it. All right. Well, it's going to get late early there in MetLife Stadium for Big Blue. <laughs> cool. Love that for me. Uh, now we are going to move on to a AFC North showdown, a game that's already happened this year, but this time it's in Cincinnati, home of Skyline Chile, and the second place team in the division, the Cincinnati Bengals, they're welcoming in the Pittsburgh Steelers, coming off of obviously that loss to Chargers that we spoke about. Uh you know, my my normal thought process here would be like, oh, the Bengals are the better team. Uh, they're going to win. I can't get out of this whole organizational win thing here. Like, this just feels like a win the Steelers always get yeah. over a team, an organization like the Bengals. Uh, I know since he went into Pittsburgh and won this year, but I feel like the season's going to get out of hand for Pittsburgh if they don't win this game. I think Tomlin rallies the troops. I think Ben goes into Ohio where he owns both Ohio teams and adds another one, adds another notch to his belt. What do you make of this matchup? Are you on the same side as me here or do you like the Bengals? Yeah. You know, even though Pittsburgh lost, I'm kind of viewing this as teams heading in two different directions right now, Randy, with, I I don't think since whatever Cincinnati had working for them, you know, in the middle of the season or in the middle of this stretch, it seems like teams have kind of caught on to what they're doing and really trying to take away Jamar Chase, which I, you know, the Raiders did an okay job of on Sunday. 
Pittsburgh, to me, is figuring out that Najee Harris is their identity. They're going to play a lot of things off of him, which is smart. And if they get T.J. Watt back, they have the superior group on the field, the defense being over Cincinnati's offense, where Cincinnati just feels like it's, it's, it's got to be Burrow to chase or else this offense you know, kind of starts clunkering and struggling. So for that reason, I, I like Pittsburgh. I, I agree with you. I think this is kind of Pittsburgh's season right here. If they don't win this game, there's going to be a lot of questions. So I'm going to take Pittsburgh. And I, I think Pittsburgh wins in a close battle. I think it's going to get up there in points. But uh, Pittsburgh 24, Cincy 23. Mm. So the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette is reporting that the Steelers are going to get Minka Fitzpatrick back this week, which is also big because their secondary needs it. <laughs> it's, it's, it has not been very impressive, and they need that. And they also said T.J. Watt and Joe Hayden are expected to practice later this week as well. So big returns for the Steelers, if that's the case. Uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, I think the Steelers are just going to be in desperation mode, and I think that they're going to win this game because they have to. I think the Bengals are incredibly talented. I love the trio of Chase and Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. Along, I like C.J. Uzoma a ton, too, and then Joe Mixon is having a really good year, too, that no one really even talks about. He's been running really hard and he's been actually a pretty underrated running back for a while I would say I don't think he's one of the best in the league but I do think he is a steady um, pretty good running back Um, but I like the Steelers here this feels like one of those we're a better run organization than you are right now. We're going to win this game because of that. We're And then the Steelers, I feel like maybe towards the end of this whole era of Tomlin and Ben, but they're still those guys for now. And I like them to win this game. Give me an ugly game. Give me the Steelers 17 to the Bengals 14. All right. Moving on now to the Bucks, who played Monday Night Football last night. We talked about a ton. Uh, they are going to Indianapolis to play the Colts, who had a massive statement victory over the Bills last week. And Jonathan Taylor, who, <laughs> you know, I'm a big uh, running backs don't matter guy. But, hey, you score five touchdowns in a single game, I got to give you your props because, my God, this guy is playing like the best running back in the game right now. Uh Derrick Henry obviously hurt here, so it, it skews a little bit, but Taylor's the first guy to get to 1,000 rushing yards. And uh, if there were to be a running back uh, front runner for MVP, it would probably be Jonathan Taylor. He's done a wonderful job for the Colts, and they are just now in the thick of it in the AFC playoff picture, thanks to him. And, you know, I thought their defense played really well in that game as well. So this is a, this is a matchup in here. This is a good game. I, I think, you know, but I think Tom Brady likes that building. I think he likes code going to the house that Peyton built and uh, getting some nice dubs there. And I, I think the Bucks ultimately are a better team, but I think the Colts are going to make this a competitive game. To me, I, the biggest thing right here, this game is going to be determined on that Quentin Nelson. If Vita Vea plays. Yeah. Because if Vita Vea doesn't play, that is a huge shift towards the Colts. It's going to, going to be massive. And even if Vita Vea does play, the matchup of the game is going to be Vita Vea versus Quentin Nelson. I think that is going to be a very fascinating matchup. I wonder if they're going to go one-on-one, Nelson versus Vita Vea, because I would find that to be very appealing. This is the part where I hate the television broadcast because on the coach's film, you can see it. You can see them going head-to-head and seeing who wins those battles. Um I, man, to, to me, Randy, I agree with you. I do think the Bucs are a better team. But I tell you what, the Colts win this game. That probably vaults them into the upper echelon of the AFC. I can't think of a team 
that I would just be like, oh man, yeah, they're, they're clearly better than the Colts. The Colts struggled in the beginning of the year. They should have beat the Rams. They should have beat a couple of other teams. They should have beat the Ravens on Monday Night Football. Yeah, absolutely. Should, should have beat the Ravens on Monday Night Football. Should have beat the Seahawks and should have beat the Rams. Well, so you we, could even say they should have beat the Titans the last time they played them, but Carson went through that brutal interception. That, yeah, that was so bad. So, so to me, this Colts team may not be a bad football team. They may be a lot better than what we think they are. But part of, you know, what Bill Parcells says, you know, it goes down the annals of football, the annals of football history. You are what your record says you are. And right now the Colts are six and five. So to me, they need to get this win more than the Bucks need to get this win. But the Bucks need this win as well for home field advantage because they're not that far out. Definitely. Um, I just think the Bucks are better. I think, you know, they're starting to find their mojo a little bit here. And the Colts, I think, are going to be frisky and a potential playoff team all year long, but it doesn't mean they're good enough to beat the Bucs. I think they've lost games to worse teams already this year. So yeah. um, the other thing on the, on the Colts is uh, there's an in-season uh, version of Hard Knocks going on right now, and it's with the Colts. And I watched the first episode, and it's – Kind of interesting, um, but it's a lot of Carson Wentz, which makes it less interesting. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm excited to watch this week after the, the Jonathan Taylor performance just to see how that goes. But final score here, give me the Bucks 31 over the Colts, 27. Wow. Okay, I, I'm going to take – you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just – I'm going to go with it. I, I'm, I'm feeling the upset here. Give wow. Me, give me the Colts 27 to the Bucks 26. Oof. That would be something. I, I don't feel good about this. I really don't. But it's just kind of like, you know what? If the Colts are going to make some noise, this is where they're going to do it, baby. Jonathan Taylor, get us another five touchdowns and win that MVP award in November, baby. I would uh, I would be pretty stunned if that happened. Uh, okay. Let's move on now to a less desirable matchup here. Uh, it is the Carolina Panthers coming off of a loss to the Washington football team, spoiling Cam Newton's return to Carolina, uh, traveling to Miami to play the Dolphins, who have suddenly won a few games in a row here. Uh, they won the Ravens game on Thursday night, and then they just won't beat the Jets. So Dolphins are relevant all of a sudden, kind of, not really. Uh, but Tua looked okay in that game, I thought. Uh, and the Panthers, I, I thought, looked okay until they, they blew it at the end there. So uh, I just think the Panthers are a little bit more talented and probably a little bit better. But, hey, maybe Brian Flores and that defense is starting to hit its stride. So maybe this is going to be a better, more entertaining game than I expect. Uh, Panthers at Dolphins, Matt, what do you think? I like the Dolphins here. I, I like the way the defense is starting to play. They're still starting to really get into it. Whole teams to low scoring. Tua kind of looked okay to me. I, I don't know. Maybe it's me, but I kind of like what I'm seeing from Tua a little bit. I agree. And breaking out of that shell, you know, just confidence does a wonderful thing for a quarterback. Carolina seems off to me. And it kind of feels like they feel like they're out of it. So I'm going to take Miami. I think it's going to be an ugly game. I'm going to go 13 10 Miami. Oof. That yeah. is ugly. Yeah. Uh, I think Carolina is. You know, they score more points when McCaffrey plays, but they, they kind of stalled out when they scored that third touchdown yeah. in that game. I think you're seeing Cam has an issue throwing throwing the ball outside the numbers and getting the ball to his receivers deep down the field. He's always been limited in that aspect, and he's even more so now the older that he gets. 
So I think that still remains. And Tua, I think I think we're seeing a little bit of the development from Tua. Maybe he's a little more healthy. He had the longest touchdown throw of his of his career uh, against the Jets. So I think it was 65 yards, and I thought that was a, a good sign. I do like the way the Dolphins are playing in this game. Uh, I think the Panthers – I don't really know what to make of them. You know, with, with CMC, the offense is a little bit better, but with Cam, it's a whole other dynamic. You're just a damn Sam Darnold, but it's still not a great quarterback, uh, you know, position for them. So, um, you know, I think you convinced me. I think you convinced me to take the Dolphins. And if the Dolphins do win this game, they're going to be five and seven with the Panthers. And they have an easy schedule down the stretch. So the Dolphins could be making a little noise here and in that little in the hunt graphic that you always see on, on the TV. So uh, who, who knew? The Dolphins started off so poorly and they might still be relevant here. And I think that's a testament to Brian Flores. So, yeah, I will say the Dolphins, a little bit higher scoring game, though, I think, uh, than, than the 13 to 10. Um, I will go Dolphins 21 to uh, 17 over the Carolina. Let me ask right. you this question before we move off of this one real quick. Is there any chance that um, Tua can do enough to keep to prevent the Dolphins for tra- from trading for Deshaun Watson? I think if he plays well down the stretch, um, they might reevaluate and say, "Let's not ruin our draft capital for a guy who might be behind bars come February." You know, I I, I think if Tua, you know, play yeah, first things first, he has to play. Don't yeah. get hurt again. Uh, and if he helps them win some games and looks pretty good, then yeah, I think that they have to feel kind of optimistic about that, and they can maybe chalk up year one just being really banged up for Tua. Who knows? Yeah, I, I think it's fair. I, I think sometimes quarterbacks need three years. Year three is always my standard. Like, okay, I need to see what you are in year three. That's why this is so damning for me when I look at Daniel Jones. And, yeah. you know, Sam Darnold was the same way. I didn't see any progression from Sam Darnold from year one to year three. I've seen Daniel Jones go backwards from year one to year three. Um, you know, M- Mitch Trubisky had the same kind of situation. Like he kind of plateaued in year two and never got better in year three. So all these young quarterbacks, Justin Herbert, you know, the year one was way <laughs> up here. So two, it's just not fair. So I, I want to see Tua get another year in Miami, get, get him another weapon to pair along with Jalen Waddle. I, I love what they have, but get that offensive line a little bit better. Maybe get him another weapon and and let's roll. Let's give Tua one more year in Miami, baby. I got hope. Yeah, I'm with you. You got to give the guy three years. Uh, after that, you can kind of you have enough of a sample size to judge it at that point. So, um, Trubisky had three with the Bears, right? That that at that point you kind of knew what he was. Or he four. He got four with the Bears. Yeah. So I mean, at that point, you know, you can't just oh, he only played one year. No, at that point, you you, you go to the developer, you don't. So. Yep. Agreed. All right. Yeah, I'm with you though. Uh, I kind of like this Dolphins situation at the moment. All right, moving on now. We already talked about the Patriots, and I was wrong on them. They didn't win three in a row. They won five in a row. <laughs> uh, very annoyed at the New England Patriots. Um, <laughs> they are home to face the Tennessee. Titans, who were just eight and two in the top seed in the AFC, but in come those dangerous, insanely talented, great coached, uh, not any sexual harassment quarterback at all. Uh, Houston Texans. Oh, wait, no, none of those things. How did the Titans lose this game to the Texans? Oh, no idea. I don't know. I guess if you turn the ball over five times and then turn the ball over on downs two more times, essentially turning it over seven 
times that you will lose that game. It does not matter who you play. That's most likely going to be the outcome. So, uh, AJ Brown probably will play Julio on the IR. He's not playing had Derek Henry. He's not playing. They just cut Adrian Peterson. Um, this feels like a spot where the Titans are, do not want to go to new England and new England, of course, gets a team right where they want them at the perfect time of the year. Of course, Bill Belichick catches a break and a Boston sports team, of course, uh, gets a break. God, they really needed one of those. They never get those. God, uh, good for them. So uh, this feels like a Patriots romping to me. I feel like the Titans were frauds all year long. I know they had big wins against playoff teams, but I never believed in them. And this feels like another spot where they are going to get exposed. But before I say anything else, but Mike Vrabel and these Titans have beaten up on these Patriots a few times in recent memory. Most notably, the last game Tom Brady played in a Patriots uniform was that loss to the Titans in Foxborough. Different circumstances, but still, Brable has a little bit of magic against Bill. I don't see it happening here. Derrick Henry was their best player on the entire team, and you lose that. there's not another running back to bail them out like Derrick Henry could and Julio Jones is out. So you're you're back to AJ Brown and you don't have uh, Corey Davis anymore. This is just, this is bad. This is bad. Julio Jones isn't anything that you thought he was going to be. He didn't make your offense accelerate into this next tier. Uh, Ryan Tannehill looked like Miami Ryan Tannehill. So to, to, to me, I hate this. You know, Ryan Tannehill is going to get pantsed on Sunday, literally pantsed by Bill Belichick in this defense. <laughs> I, I, I don't see it, Randy. I can't see it. I mean, I get it. They're going to play better than they did against Houston because I think they have a good coach and Mike Vrabel, but they don't have the manpower. They, they, they just don't. And they don't have Bill Belichick on that sideline. I, I don't want to talk much more about it because this is disgusting because I got to hear Henry talk about Patriots going to the Super Bowl. Patriots going, blah, 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 blah. Uh, So just Patriots 17, Titans 13. Yeah, it just feels like a terrible spot for the Titans to have to go to Foxborough and play that defense. Yeah, that's uh, shit. So <laughs> I like uh, I like New England twenty four to fifteen uh, over the Titans, so I think yeah. we can keep it at that. That's all right, all right. That means the freaking Pats can be eight and four. Nonsense. Yeah, and they might be the number one seed in the AFC. Even totally ridiculous. Yeah, kick me in the uh, fucking nuts. Uh, I hate Boston sports teams. All right, all right. We have more one 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 o'clock games to talk about on Sunday, early games, or what do you want to call it? Uh, this one uh, doesn't get you excited at all. I kind of tell you, <laughs> uh, but it's the Atlanta Falcons who we already spoke about getting shut out uh, Thursday night, traveling to play the Jacksonville Jaguars, who uh, also got uh, kind of clowned, got a pants or whatever you want to call it. They lost thirty to ten at home to the San Francisco 49ers. They lost their best playmaker in Jamal Agnew. So I don't know what's going on there. If Jamal Agnew is your best playmaker, that says a lot about your current situation, I think. Um, they can't get LaVisca Chenault involved, uh, DJ Chark, uh, Marvin Jones. I don't know what to make of the, the, the Jags. And that's uh, just a it's a malpractice how they're handling Trevor Lawrence, uh, Urban Meyer. I don't just bothers me. It's the Jags should be so much more entertaining than they are, and they're not, and it's annoying. Um, and the Falcons are just uh, annoying. And they're also have an easy schedule, and also could find their way into an NFC wild card spot. Um, but I, I kind of hope the Jags kind of end that right here with this. And you spoke about how Matt Ryan really concerned you. Uh, 
I kind of hope the Jags come out and just say, you know, let, let Lawrence loose and win this game. I, I, I This is wishful thinking on my part, but uh, let's just get rid of the Falcons. Let's, let's stop entertaining the Falcons this season. Yeah, I mean, this, this game sucks too. Like, so we're going to follow up Patriots versus the Titans that are basically a skeleton crew. We've got to watch Bill Belichick win his seventh game in, in a row or sixth game in a row. I don't even know how many it is. It's stupid. <laughs> And then we get Falcons versus Jacksonville. This suck fest. Um, Urban Meyer is completely incompetent when it comes to running an NFL offense. So this offense is stupid from day one. It highlights none of Trevor Lawrence's strengths. Trevor Lawrence should be breaking out at this point. Like he's had enough games. We talk about rookie quarterbacks. So some of the most talented guys in this draft class are all pale in comparison to fucking Mac Jones. Who Mac Jones? Who Mac Jones? Someone, there we go. I thought you'd get that reference. Um, 281 So I'm just, this is disgusting. I, I don't even want to watch this game. I'm just taking Jacksonville nine to six because I think this game's going to suck. I think both coaches. Nine to six it. again. That would be a hell of a win for them. The second time this year. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, we saw how vaunted the Falcons offense was last week against the Patriots. So, yeah, I think this week they can manage two field goals. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's too much to ask out of the Falcons. And I, I think the Jaguars score a touchdown, miss an extra point, then get a field goal. Just, just <laughs> It's just perfect for this game. Both of these teams suck. Mm. I, I mean – I. God, the, we talk about how crazy the NFL is, but we can count on a couple of things. The Bears are going to suck this week. The Giants are going to suck this week. The Falcons and the Jags are going to suck this week, and so are the Titans. So let's just get through this suck fest. <laughs> we got two more teams coming up after this game that we're going to talk about. They also <laughs> suck. <laughs> so that'll be good. Uh, but I like the Jags. I'm going to take them 19 to 17 over the Falcons. Uh, an, offense, an offensive outburst. Yes. Trevor Lawrence <laughs> going to throw for two touchdowns. Make me happy because I have to start him in a fantasy league. So, all right. <laughs> I sure hope he does. Yeah, well, it hasn't been very good. I got it. him and uh, Justin Fields not going yeah. great for me in that league. Yeah. Uh, that's the worst league I have. Yeah, All right, to wrap up the one o'clock games, Matt. Hey, if you didn't think it could get any worse, the Falcons Jags, I got news for you because the one o'clock games oh. and this just this this stink fest here. And it looks like we get Zach Wilson back for the Jets as they travel to Houston to play <laughs> the Texans. This game is awful. Why is this a game? This should not be a thing, but it's real. And uh, I guess I will say the Texans because they're the team at home and they just beat the Titans. And I don't think the jets are good enough to beat anybody. So, you know, Randy, I think there should be a thing where the NFL and college football collaborates where they can flex games out. Let's just flex out jets, Texans and Falcons, Jaguars, and let's bring in some college football games like Michigan and Ohio state. That's kind of a blood feud right now. Ryan day Saturday. That's Saturday, baby. Flex it, baby. Let's put it on Sunday. Yeah, let's put it on Sunday. That might be the best one o'clock game on this whole stinking schedule. Oh, Jesus Christ, this game. I don't even want to talk about this game. Zach Wilson comes back. Michael Carter's out. Jets' offense sucks. Texans are nothing but sucky. I don't like either of these defenses. I don't know who's going to win. You know what? I'm just, the first game ever to end in a 0-0 tie. God, that would be just horrific. I'm just trying to see who Georgia's playing this week. 
because I'd rather watch that game. Than Please be Bama. Please be Bama. Uh, Bama gets Auburn, which I would rather watch the Iron Bowl every day than watch this game. <laughs> Alabama's two and Auburn done ranked, but I'd rather watch that one. I'd rather watch Penn State, Michigan State, which is also this weekend. Yeah, I mean, you keep on giving to me. Yeah, I'll watch a Pac-12 game over this garbage. <laughs> think you're going too far oh georgia gets georgia tech maybe i don't want to watch no yeah that's that's gonna be a freaking blowout there but all right well anyway yeah there are several games uh on saturday that i'd rather watch than that nonsense on sunday but give me you said a zero zero tie i'm just gonna for the fun of it someone's gonna win give me the texans 10 to the jets nine yeah i'll go texans 11 uh jaguars four or no no texans 11 jets four so we get three safeties in this game is what you're saying <laughs> I, I don't know how we're gonna get there but we're gonna get there <laughs> i like the idea of the texas kicking three field goals and getting a safety and the jets only points come from two safeties <laughs> oh jesus christ but that would be amazing. That has to be a scoregami if that happens. <laughs> 11 to 4. There's no way that's happened before. Oh, the Houston amazing. Astros versus whoever the hell plays in New York. The Mets or the Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. This show's gone. This is after hours, man. This is brutal. All right. Well, at least we get some late games in prime time. We can wrap a bow on this. Oh, my God. That is a horrific game. We're not going to see that one on Red Zone very often. We'll that <laughs> no, we're not. All right, late games. We got the Chargers. They're traveling to Denver to play the Broncos, who are, uh, I believe, coming off of a bye, right? Yeah, they're coming off of a bye. Uh, the AFC West showdown here um, at, at high, uh, mile high. Is it so mile high? I don't even know. Um, but the altitude there in Denver, so that could have an effect. I like the Chargers more on the road these days because their home stadium is more of a is a wave game for them. So many of the other teams, fans travel to them. Um, I don't know what to make of the Broncos after a bye. They they're coming off that loss to Philly, so I just I just like the Chargers more at the moment, but I don't feel great about it. I like the Chargers. I, I think Fangio's dead man walking at this point. I don't see how he comes back as the Broncos head coach. Broncos quarterback situation is really bad right now. Um, they just did give their two wide receivers, Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton, some nice contracts. Yeah. Um, you know, Tim Patrick got a nice four year, 60 million, which I think th- that should be something that Allen Robinson takes a look at and be like, Hey, you know what, between Kenny Galladay and uh, Cortland Sun, let's keep these contracts rolling in. Cause I think that's good value for Allen Robinson, which means he'll probably sign for like four years and $85 million somewhere. Yeah. So that's yeah. fine. Yeah. You're going to get um, the 2020 AAV is that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But um. I, I, I like the Chargers here, even though I, there's so many things that are wrong with the Broncos right now. And, and the Chargers, you know, if they're going to make the playoffs, you got to win games like this. You have to get to seven and four. You got to find a way to seven and four. This is a game to do it. The Broncos are trending very badly. They don't really offensively do anything to scare you. And, and the Broncos have to get a quarterback and who knows who that might be. But Go ahead and uh, mark me down for the Chargers. I'm going to take the Chargers 31 to the Broncos 20. All right. Yeah, I, I kind of think this is going to be a bit of a shootout because I don't trust the Chargers defense to do a good job because they haven't really done that in a while. So 
Uh, I like the Chargers to win in a bit of uh, not the highest scoring game ever, but honestly, uh, I like the Chargers 29 to the uh, Broncos 27. That's a lot of points for the Broncos. Yeah, but the, the Chargers defense, they just gave up a ton to the Steelers, you know. Yeah, that's uh, true. Also not a great offense. So, yeah. All right. This should be one of the games of the day. I don't – I mean, we'll see what the status of Roger, Aaron Rodgers is uh, with the toe injury that he suffered against the uh, the Vikings. Um, and she said it was worse than turf toe. So, if it's worse than turf toe, guess what? He might not be, be there for this game. Turf toe is pretty serious. Uh, but it's the Rams coming off of a bye to travel to Lambeau to play the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I love the matchup here. The two really good teams, two of the best teams in the NFC. Uh, but it could quickly change if Rodgers isn't on the field for the Packers. Yeah, to me, you know, I, I think people hear turf toe and they don't know how bad the injury is. Basically, it's a torn ligament in your toe. Yeah. So it's it's not like it's, you know, something comfortable that you could play through. Like um, you stub your toe, you know, it's not like that. Yeah, no, no, not like that at all. So this is a pretty significant injury for the Packers. And the guy that was backing up, David Bakhtiari, is also one of, he had to move over positions. Uh, God, I forget his name, but he tore his ACL. And, oh yeah, Elgin, something like that. Yeah, yep. And, and he was their second best offensive lineman behind Bakhtiari. I mean, you have an immobile Rodgers at this point, probably, and then you have, you know, the third string left tackle at this point. I don't know who else you can move over there, going against Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, and you know some guys on that pass rush along with Jalen Ramsey. To me, this is a get-right game for the Rams. I, I think the Rams kind of break a little bit of a funk they're in. I don't like how the Packers defense showed up. I mean, Justin Jefferson just, you know, torched them on Sunday. Justin Jefferson was a man possessed. So I, I like the Rams here. I, I think Matthew Stafford has a nice day. I, I think Aaron Donald gets a sack or two. I think Aaron Rodgers gets really hobbled. And I think this is the beginning of a losing streak for the Packers. So go ahead and give me the Rams, Randy, 28 to the Packers, 20. Yeah, like I think if you missed what happened to Rodgers, he got cleated, uh, I believe, from one of the defensive linemen yeah. of the Vikings. And, like, I, I've been cleated before, but not on my toe, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, he, I mean, he could have broken his toe. He could have done a number of different things there. And, obviously, that affects your mobility, how you stand, a lot of the things that you're able to do. I mean, Rodgers has such an effortless throwing motion, so I don't think it really affects his ability to throw. Yeah. It does affect his ability to uh, move out of the pocket, <laughs> to maneuver inside of the pocket, Extended and it might make him a little bit more sensitive and a little bit more uh, prone to get rid of the ball quicker so he avoids hits. Um, still no Aaron Jones for the Packers here. It's still just the Devontae Adams and MBS and a number of the other guys uh, who I thought played decent against the Vikings. I don't think the offense was the problem there. I think no. the defense couldn't get a stop. So um, I don't think A.J. Dillon is quite the same play playmaker as Aaron Jones, but he's still productive enough. Enough. But uh, I think if you have a hobbled Rodgers, a banged up offensive line, it's a bad matchup against the Rams. I'm going to say something that's not going to surprise a ton of people, but I expect Odell Beckham Jr. to have an impact on this game. No. Uh, for once, in the for the first time in a while, Odell is going to have a presence. Uh, it's been a bye week. I think him and Stafford have some time to, to play catch together, get to know each other a little bit. And I hope my guy, number three, finds the end zone in this game. I expect Cooper Cup to have another big game because Cooper Cup just has big game after big game. I like your 28 to 20 score for the Rams, but I'm going to add another three. Give me 31 to 21 L.A. over Green Bay. We have breaking news, Randy. Hit me with it. Hit me with it. Do, 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 do. 
Cincinnati is number four in the college football playoff ranking. Go Bearcats. That is huge news. Go Cincinnati. Let's get you in there. Oh, it's Georgia, Ohio State, Bama, Bearcats? Yep. Yes, sir. Nice. Let's go. Big Bearcat guy. Big Bearcat guy. Yeah, nice to see. So uh, a little bit of uplifting news. College football helping us go up this week. Yeah, we need Ohio State out of there, though. Get Ohio out of our lives. Let's... They're going to crush Michigan. Yeah, probably. But Oregon beat them, so Oregon should be higher. But or Oregon got fucking got smoked by Utah. Yeah, well, that doesn't help their cause either. So, no, so... all right. Well, all right. one more late game to talk about. It is those Minnesota Vikings coming off of a huge win over the Packers. Uh, I don't know if it's time to start putting some respect on Kirk Cousins or yeah. just say this is who he is, but he's played really well this year and his stats back it up. Um, you know, I, I shared the meme of every time Kirk Cousins is a game <laughs> below 500, he turns into Peyton Manning, but he played really well in that game. Uh, and uh, they are traveling to San Francisco to play the Niners, and I can't help but to get flashbacks from that old uh, NFC divisional oh. ground game where Henry saved the video of you predicting that the Niners are going to lose, uh, and then they didn't. So, um, uh, this is an interesting matchup. Both of these teams at 500 now. Both these teams dangerously relevant in the NFC playoff picture here. The Vikings should be 7-3. I mean, they could have lost the Lions game, so it's not really fair to do this game. But they missed the field goal in Arizona. Uh, that could have won them that game. And in the first game against the Bengals, they could have won, you know, three different times and they didn't. So yeah. uh, here they are five and five. I think they're very talented. I think the big, the big three of cook and Thielen and Jefferson is, is great. And I think cousins has played you know really well this year. He has like a five to one touchdown to turnover ratio, which is unlike him. He has been remarkable. Uh, the defense has been good enough. Uh, you know, it's all, it's, it doesn't matter. The defense, if the offense is going to play that well, the defense is okay. Um, and the uh, the Niners now won two straight to beat the Rams and they beat the Jags. They are also a little bit relevant here, but I like the Vikings team and roster a little bit more than I like the Niners right now. I, I agree. I, I'm going to offer a mea culpa to all Vikings fans. You know, here's my olive branch. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, Kirk, Kirk Cousins, I always say you are who you are until you're not. And right now, Kirk Cousins has played well enough for the Vikings to win a lot of games. So much so, I think if they continue, I think they found a nice formula that, you know, it's winning those close games. I think the Vikings end up winning the NFC North, Randy. I, I, I really do. I think the Packers have some real issues right now with injuries. And if Aaron Rodgers is going to miss any time with that turf toe, which I can't imagine, like there's only so many times you can shoot that thing up. I mean, you just – toe injuries are hard, and I think we touched on it, extending the play. So this is going to be the biggest game of the Vikings season. This is for all the marbles right now. The Vikings win this game. I think they win the North flat out just because the momentum is so heavily in their favor. It's building confidence. They're starting to believe they're good enough to win these games. Kirk Cousins making all the right reads. He's making excellent throws. He's making all the right decisions. And watch, all of this bites me in the ass, and Kirk Cousins goes and throws five interceptions against the Niners. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you have to stop Debo Samuel. That's the thing. Debo Samuel is a top-five playmaker in the NFL right now. I mean, there's no more hiding it. There's no more denying it. I'm talking playmaker. Flat out, one of the five best players offensively on the football field. That's Debo Samuel, Henry. So write it down, mark it down, save it, do whatever you want to do it with, with it. Debo Samuel is a top five playmaker 
on offense right now in the NFL. So with that being said, I think the Vikings with Harrison Smith can do it. I'm going to take the Vikings here, Randy, because I think the Vikings are going to be good enough to put up enough points on that Niners defense. I don't love the Niners secondary. I think a lot of it's just too loosey-goosey, not assignment sound football from that secondary. Their front's as good as it gets. You know, and the Vikings offensive line is going to have to protect Cousins. I think they're going to get it done. Uh, give me the Vikings 27 to the Niners 24. It's funny how the narrative shifts with just one uh, one call, right? I mean, the Cousins threw a brutal game-ending interception, you know, a game-blowing interception to Darnell Savage, and he just didn't land the ball, land in bounds. Uh, or we're talking about how Kirk Cousins blew that game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I just think that it's crazy how, how things change so fast with that. Um, I wouldn't go as far as call Debo Samuel a top five playmaker. I understand where you're coming from. He's having a great year. He's He's been great. He's played really well. There are still so many great offensive players in the NFL. Right. And, you know, it's a testament to him that he's been up there with the yards after the catch and the overall yards from scrimmage. Uh, so it's, it's a testament to him. I'm not hating on the guy. It's just, you know, there's a lot of talent out there. I mean, he's, he's anyway. top. He's second in total yards in the NFL. I mean, yeah. no, he's, he's he's been great. I agree. Yeah, he's been great. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I just the whole top five thing is where I, where you know there's circumstances to other things, but whatever. Uh, Henry's probably screen recording this, and I'm gonna hear about it anyway. Uh, I think the Vikings' offense is potent. I think it's gonna put up a ton of, ton of points here. I don't know if the Niners. They feel like one of these teams, if they get down big, they can't really come back. Uh, they're very much a play-from-ahead type uh, offense. Uh, and I'm not sure about the defense. I know uh, Nick Bosa has been playing really well uh, now that he's back. But I'm not going to just – you know, one game against the Jags isn't going to be enough for me to be like, oh, he's been uh, unbelievable. He's going to you know comeback player of the year, defense player of the year. No, I'm not going to go that far. The Vikings, much better team than the Jags. And I like them to win this game. I'm going to say Vikings 34 to the Niners 28. Ooh, I scored. A lot of points. A lot of points. A lot of points. All right. Prime time time. Uh, Sunday Night Football, it is a NFC or AFC North matchup, I should say. And it's the other two teams, the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I assume Lamar Jackson will be back after dealing with his illness, uh, which they said it wasn't COVID. And apparently he's already had COVID twice. So uh, maybe it was diarrhea. I don't know. I, whatever. He didn't play as long. Uh, and then now the Browns barely beat the Lions 13 to 10 in a just brutal game to watch. If you, if you saw any of it, you know that Baker Mayfield, uh, I guess it's time to start the dialogue about Baker Mayfield because number one overall pick in 2018, never could really get into a rhythm with OBJ, uh, Jarvis Landry on and off the field. The Browns are the are, are best when they're running the ball really well with Chubb and Hunt and Baker obviously is playing it hurt. I, I respect the toughness of Baker because not every guy can do that. Uh, but there's clearly issues with his accuracy uh, outside the numbers, outside the hash marks. He is very much a timing-based quarterback who needs everything to be going 
the exact way that it needs to go to be successful. Um, and now his wife is speaking out about the criticism he's been getting about, uh, you know, saying he's playing hurt and, uh, you know, maybe the other team, other guys should toughen up and be like him. And then that's, you know, he commented on the fans booing saying the same fans probably making noise or driving. They don't want them there anyway. This is getting ugly for Baker Mayfield. And when you're the franchise quarterback, you don't want this to be the case, especially when you're due for a contract here. So there's a lot surrounding the Browns. And I didn't expect this from Kevin Stefanski or even like I thought the Browns were better run than this. But this could fall apart pretty quickly for Cleveland. It's amazing how fragile things are in the NFL when you get a disgruntled leader. You know, they can blame Odell all they want, but it's not it was never Odell's fault. You know, in my opinion, it's always been Baker Mayfield. He came in with all this hoopla and aura about him, how, you know, he's going to turn Cleveland around. And I never saw Baker Mayfield as a successful NFL quarterback. I've always been kind of on the fringes with him. You know, does he deserve a contract extension? Doesn't he? You pay Baker Mayfield, you give him one of those Dak Prescott deals, you, you're not going to win a Super Bowl with that ever. Um, I, I'll go as far as to say, if you pay Baker Mayfield top 12 quarterback money, you're never going to win a Super Bowl that way. He's just not that guy. You know, like you said, Randy, everything around him has to be so perfect. You know, you can't have it. You got to have choir boys, first of all, because he's going to complain and he has rabbit ears. So if you say something bad to him, he's going to get in this little funk and just kind of avoid you like he did Odell. Like, I'm sure Odell talked to him privately, like, hey, man, you know, I'm getting open. Can you get me the football? Hey, man, look my way. I got you. And Baker probably rubbed him the wrong way because Baker's a bitch. And, you know, to me, on the other sideline in this game, you, you know what you see? You see a guy that's willing to do anything and everything to win a football game. You know, he'll listen. He'll pick up on things. He works hard at his craft to get better. He doesn't have all those commercials about living in progressive field or whatever the hell that stadium's called. He's not all about the hoopla. Lamar Jackson wants to win. Lamar Jackson has an MVP. Lamar Jackson's next, his, his goal is to win the Super Bowl. And he is a much better quarterback than Baker Mayfield is right now. And when Lamar Jackson comes back on Sunday, they get Hollywood Brown back on Sunday. I think the Ravens really put it on the Browns. And that's why I'm going to take Baltimore 34 to Cleveland's 21. Mm. And uh, Lamar might win another MVP. If he comes yeah. back and finishes year strong, he's good, just got just as good of a case as anybody here. Um, Lamar, I think you look at the talent around him, and I mean, obviously Huntley won that game, but I think that's more on the Bears oh, than yeah. anything else. Um, to me, Lamar is a one-man show. I, I think he carries and wills that team every single week, and if they don't win, it's usually because Lamar doesn't play well. So uh, I, I think I think the world of Lamar, and I think you nailed it because Baker – is very much an excuse oriented guy. And I don't love that about anybody, honestly, at any level, any profession in life, any adult, if you find yourself making excuses, you're not looking for solutions. Um, you can always find reasons for things. You can adapt to failure and learn from it, or you can just say, well, this happened because of this and it's not my fault. Okay. Well, not everything has to be your fault, but you can still help it improve. Uh, and I think that's what leaders do. I think that's what great quarterbacks do. And Baker Mayfield time and time again has proven that he is not that I'm never saying he's not a tough guy. I know playing through that shoulder injury is difficult, but 
I, I don't need to hear from your wife about all this stuff either, because you know what? Odell still never said anything this entire situation. He never was outspoken, never made any comments bad about Baker. I mean, his dad did, sure. LeBron James did, sure. Is that coming from OBJ? Yeah, probably. But Odell himself never actually said anything. So uh, even if you're getting – if it's being handled better than Odell – if Odell Beckham Jr. is handling it better than you, I say that says a lot because he's handled things very poorly in the past. So Yeah, I, and, and uh, yeah, uh, just to go back to the Bears game real quick, and just to clarify, and for, for anybody that might be confused, if Lamar played on Sunday – the Ravens win that game by 20 plus points. Yeah. I mean, they, they would have blown the bears out of the water. They couldn't yeah. stop Huntley. God help them. But I, I agree with you about Baker and Odell. I, I thought once Odell came back, that offense would really take off because it really felt like they were missing a guy that could take the top off the defense. And when Odell came back against the bears, he looked good. I mean, he looked fast. He looked fluid. Wasn't a whole lot of clunky movement there, but for whatever reason, Baker wanted to act like Odell didn't exist. And that's on Baker. And you're seeing it now. He still doesn't have a great rapport with his receivers. So it no. just kind of shows me that uh, maybe Odell was onto something there. Anyway, all right. We talked a lot of time. I'm going to say Ravens as well. I'm going to say Baltimore 27 over the Browns uh, 16. Wow. All right. Monday Night Football. This is a stinker of all stinkers, man. I, I kind of like the Washington football team a little bit. There are you know, two wins in a row. They beat the Bucks. You know, they beat the Panthers. You know, they're a little frisky. And they could make it three in a row here because the Seahawks of Seattle, uh, after two games with Russell Wilson back, just look lost. Uh, they scored no points in Russell Wilson's return at Lambeau Field. And now they lost another game by 10 to a division rival starting Colt McCoy, a quarterback, uh, 23-13. Against Arizona, so things are free falling quickly for Seattle. Looks like Pete Carroll is at the wit's end here. Looks like Russell Wilson might be back in the offseason demanding a trade. This Seahawks team is in, the, in a situation that they have not been in in the Russell Wilson Pete Carroll era, and I'm interested to see how they respond. But it starts this week, and if they lose to the Washington Football Team, it is over for them. don't even know what direction to go with this game. <laughs> wow. What a way to cap off week 12, Seattle and the Washington football team. Oh God. What a way to put me out of my misery this week. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, no, normally I pick, I pick Seattle here, Randy, because I think they have the best player on the field and Russell Wilson, but Russell Wilson looks like he's just completely, uh, he, he came back way too soon. Yeah. And Pete Carroll looks like he's frustrated and at a loss for this. To me, this is like the last stand at the OK Corral. You know, um, Seattle's crumbling at at every seam. DK Metcalf is acting a fool. You know, Tyler Lockett's out there just trying to catch footballs at this point. (laughs) And you know how that's going. Um, Chris Carson's out for the rest of the year, I believe, with a neck injury. The defense is just awful. I you know, this is a bad football team right now. I, I'm going to take the Washington football team here. I just think that they'll find a way to win this game, even though they shouldn't. Uh, give me the Washington football team 21 to Seattle's 14. Are you feeling it yet, Matt Bushnell? Are you feeling the Taylor Heineke fever? Did it spread to you yet? Oh, God, no. Because no. I think it's got, I think I got it. You know, I think it's, it's infected me and there's no going back. The guy is fearless. He he just goes out there and he's 
Everyone says he's Brett Favre. I don't think he has the arm to be compared to Brett Favre. I think he is a youthful Ryan Fitzpatrick, yeah. and that's perfect. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit. He'll go out there, sling it all over the place, make try to make plays he has no business trying to make, and I absolutely love the balls on Taylor Heineke. He's a definition of YOLO. You only live once. <laughs> that's right. He's getting this opportunity, and he's taking advantage of it and doing the best that he can. And after, at the very least, after this season, he will have a job as a backup for the rest of his life because he's shown that he can be in there and he can make plays and he can win games. Uh, and I love that about him. And, you know, a lot of guys get in there and they get an opportunity and they're scared and they're, they're timid and, they're, they're you know, they don't know what to do. Not this guy. He's very decisive very confident in himself. And I love that about him. Uh, I like the Washington football team in this spot, maybe a little bit of Ewing theory, by the way, yeah. with Chase Young and the pass rush has come alive the last couple of weeks without the guy. You got to say, you got to mention it. I mean, I, I know I love Chase Young, but it sure looks like to me that the Washington football team might uh, have played a little bit better since he's been gone. It might be a coincidence. But uh, also, uh, you've been waiting for the Washington defense to play well. I thought they were going to be a great unit all year. I thought they were going to be a playoff team, and they have been disappointing. But now, you know, they win this game. They're five and six. They're right there with the Philly, right there with Philly, uh, with a potential playoff spot there lingering. So, uh, you know, I feel bad for Russell Wilson, Mister Unlimited, not looking to. Uh, he's looking a little limit, a little limited these days, I guess. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if Carroll's gone after this year. It wouldn't surprise me if Russell Wilson's gone, and it feels like a true end of the era end of an era for Seattle. Um, I'll take Washington football team here. I like them. I think their peak is probably like 27 points. Give me them 27 to 24 over Seattle. That's still, that's a lot of points for Seattle. It feels like, but it'll be interesting to see. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, that's the, not the best Monday night matchup. This feels like a Manning cast game for sure, where I'm just turning on Peyton and Eli and just hanging out with them. So uh and our friend Joey in the comments says, rest of the Giants. Like, I, I would be very thrilled with that if that happened. Uh, and they would actually have to be committing to move on to Daniel Jones, which I don't know if they would actually want to do, which I would welcome. But, you know, I don't run the team, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should. Maybe I should. Yeah. A lot of things have to happen. You know, I, I think in New York, but both those football teams, you take a snapshot of the Jets and the Giants. Um, the Giants feel like it's a, they don't have much to build off of, you know, we could say they may have a piece or two, but really the quarterback positions, the most vital position. And if Saquon Barkley was healthy, maybe you consider that a building block, but running backs are so awful. I think the jets with Becton, it gives me a little bit more hope. I think Becton's better than Thomas, but these next games. And like I said, I'm not going to write Zach Wilson off of a bad rookie year. I, I I think you start going in very dangerous territory when you start putting labels on rookie quarterbacks, like we talked about too, I think you give them three years. So this whole class, Lawrence, Fields, Mac Jones, uh, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance. Um, I'm not sure when Trey Lance is going to play. He doesn't look good. So, you know, that's kind of a, yeah. But to me, Mac Jones is going to get better. He's landed in the most perfect situation out of all these guys. If Trevor Lawrence doesn't shake himself of Urban Meyer, I don't know what his career ends up being, Randy, because that's just saddled with a terrible coach. Uh, it looks like Justin Fields. Hope to God they get the right coach, man. I, I pray to God. Uh, you, you hear uh, Marcus Spears. You hear Dan Orvlosky, um, You know, uh, Kurt Warner, JT O'Sullivan, like all, all these quarterback gurus that do this stuff say that Justin Fields is a real deal. But if he doesn't have a coach, he doesn't have a prayer in hell. 
And I think Zach Wilson just needs time. He has to play, but he has to get weapons. You know, you, you got to give him more than what he has. But um, I, I don't know. Zach Wilson's looked the worst, but I'm not going to hold it against him. But the Giants need to find their signal caller. And this is not the draft. To have a potential two of the top five picks and for this quarterback class to be as bad as it is, that's a kick in the nuts. Well, yeah, I mean, Wilson's been in probably the worst spot possible outside of Lawrence. I mean, Fields hasn't been in a great spot either. But this is what happens when you need a quarterback all the time. You're typically not going to great situations. So uh, part of this is overcoming those situations, and uh, we'll see. Um, Look, if this is the end, and maybe next show next week we're eulogizing, (laughs) giving a eulogy for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, But it's been a hell of a run for them, and it's crazy that they only won one Super Bowl. Obviously, they should have won two. Um, But – you know, it is what it is with Russell Wilson. I think, you know, it's, it's time, the time has come for him to move on. And I think Pete Carroll has kind of run his course at this point. I don't know. He might get a job somewhere else. But, hey, I heard you needed a signal. Uh, you needed a leader for, for Justin Fields. Hey, Jason Garrett just got available. <laughs> so if you want him, he, you know, I'm sure the Bears could sign him and he would be great for you guys. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'll say this about Garrett. I, I know you guys complain about him. But after this shit show with Matt Nagy, man, like th- this is rock bottom. I'm not sure if Jason Garrett ever led an offense this porous. I, I mean, you take a look at it. I think the Giants and the Bears are separated by what, like six touchdowns on that list? It wasn't very many. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, okay, who's really bad to worse? I mean, the Bears had a better defense that put them in better spots to score touchdowns. The Giants defense, eh, you know, not quite as good as the Bears defense. But I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I wonder what would have happened, Randy, if the Bears got Russell Wilson. Like, what? How the ramifications of that? If if that trade got done, and Russell Wilson went to the Bears, and we still have Matt Nagy, what a shit show that would have been. Yeah, I think Russ would have tried to kill him. Honestly, Sierra uh, yeah. would have put a hit out on him. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been something. Uh, one last question in the comments here. Uh, Joey asks, what do you think of Rodgers to New Orleans next year? And you know, I think obviously Rodgers is gone. I think we probably both think Denver is on the list there of suitors. And New Orleans is interesting. I think they're going to be in on a quarterback. Uh, I could see Rodgers making that move with Sean Payton. My only question is, does he get trade? Like, do the It all depends. The Packers are going to let him go the free agent route, which I don't think they're going to do. I think they're going to trade him, but if he goes the free agent route, I think New Orleans is the perfect landing spot for him. It could be a team with a decent draft pick that they start getting out of cap hell around that time. Yep. And, and then Michael Thomas comes back, Alvin Kamara, the offensive line isn't bad. That's, that's a pretty damn good spot. And imagine yeah. you have Rogers and Brady twice a year. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I think ultimately he goes to Pittsburgh. I, I think that's where Rodgers okay. will end up. I, I think he goes to Pittsburgh. Uh, I'll say Denver. I think that uh, Miss Miss Woodley, his uh, fiance there, is I think lives in Boulder. I believe is what I read okay. in Colorado. So wouldn't shock me if he wants to just be somewhere near her. Yeah. And uh, you know, I feel like Denver is one of these organizations that brings on these vet quarterbacks that are future hall of famers obviously peyton manning being the best example of that and and they'll go win a super bowl and suck for the next five years and find another washed up quarterback but john elway does man that's what he does yeah so Uh, so tom brady to the broncos in 2028 
God. You'll still be playing too, you're not. Uh, all right. Well, before we say goodbye, obviously Thanksgiving is Thursday. Um, it's, you know, a time for many of us to give our thanks and to be grateful for what we have in our life. It's also a big food day, obviously, in this country. And it's a big football day. That's why we talk so much about it. Matt, I want to hear about your plans. What are some traditions that you have going on this year? What are you excited for? Oh boy, Thanksgiving! I am excited for not cooking this year. I'm just we're, we're not cooking this year. I'm tired. You know, I got a big family, and I'm just tired, Randy. I'm just gonna watch football and just putz around the house. I think. Um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 you, you know that commercial, um, those insurance commercials where you become your parents. Oh God. Yes. I don't know. I don't know who does it. Maybe farmers or one of those commercials, but Geico, I think it is actually. It's but, an insurance company for sure. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm probably going to do some yard work. I'm probably going to go out and do some yard work. Um, be would. very depressed after the Bears game. Uh, just realizing how much they suck. Get, get to watch the red pea shooter for, you know, four quarters of football is just what I wanted to do on my Thanksgiving. Sign me up for that shit show. <laughs> Um, maybe come in and watch a little bit of Dak. Maybe I'll have some macaroni and cheese just to spite Matt Judon. Yeah, that's I'm, what we're all going to do in protests. Yes, hell yes. I'm going to make some baked mac and cheese and tell Matt Judon to go screw himself. Protest the Patriots. Protest Matt Judon. This is America. We can eat whatever side dishes we want. That's right. What are you doing? Well, you know, uh, Taylor and I both have to work the day before and the day after, so we're keeping it kind of low, laying low here. Uh, we're just having her mom over, and we're going to cook a small little get-together thing, and uh, I'm just going to hang out and watch football all day and be the, uh, you know, uh, just a bum that I normally am. <laughs> um, you know, and my family gets to travel downstate to go see another family. I wish I could be there with them, but unfortunately I have to work, so that's not going to happen. But at least I have the day off, and we can all kind of hang out and do that. One little hot take for us here at the end, because I have, I know this isn't food life, but in food life, I already have a corner that I've established myself in. If you're not in food life, go check out food life. Another great one of these groups that our friend Henry uh, has, you know, developed. He's just, he's the man. Anyway, uh, it's Thanksgiving. Obviously food is, uh, you know, people have takes all the time about food. I have two, two Thanksgiving takes here. Stuffing is disgusting. I don't, this is only reason. There's reason why we only do it once a year is because it's gross soggy bread can't stand it it's gross maybe some meat in there i could tolerate it but do not like stuffing other thing cranberry sauce why what's the point <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it it's i don't like that either it's gross and the third thing i you know i said to a third thing gravy is the most important thing of the day that's all i have to say about it ties everything else together if you're not with gravy everything else is pointless you know an underrated thing with the gravy is the biscuits you can't screw up the biscuits because you screw up the biscuits the gravy kind of like i don't do boxed mashed potatoes it, it's such a low level kind of like, yeah, I get it if you have to do it, but homemade mashed potatoes is so much better than eating that cardboard mashed potatoes. Do, do yourself a favor. Just make the homemade mashed potatoes, buy some potatoes. They're cheap. I think it's like $3 for a 10 pound bag. You, you, people, people can afford that. It's okay. Splurge a little. You're going to volunteer to carve and cut them up for them or people or what? Oh my, if you can't peel a potato, I'm just volunteering the manual labor for these people now. Oh, because they didn't have enough other work to do when they're cooking. What are they going to do? Like, okay, look, all right, we can discuss this real quick. You put the turkey in the oven. How much work is that? You put the baked mac and cheese. Guess what? It goes in the oven after you bake the, the noodles. 
You just, you, there's not much to do here. Come on, people. <laughs> you are making mothers all across the country very angry. <laughs> oh, I, I, my wife does not cook in this household. I'll tell you what, I, I do the cooking. Fair enough. Fair enough. Maybe I shouldn't just. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Gender. You Sorry. See? I'm canceled now. All right, I'm done for. You're you're canceled. You and your Victor Cruz jersey. You are going to space with Michael Strahan <laughs> next week. All right. Well, maybe I could get away from the Giants like him if I do that. <laughs> so. All right. Well, you know, Matt, I'm thankful for you and doing this show every single week. So thank you for being a part of this with me. And uh, thank you to everyone who watched us live on Facebook and uh, commented and been a part of this with us. Uh, 80 episodes in, and that doesn't even count the other ones we did before we rebranded. Um, so, I mean, we've been doing this for a while, so we greatly appreciate all that. And whether you're watching us on a visual platform, listening to us on one of our audio-only platforms, we greatly appreciate all of the time you guys take in supporting us. We love doing this, and we love that you guys enjoy watching us and uh, love listening to us as well because that's what really keeps us going to be honest with you uh matt you have anything you want to say as a parting shot uh, anything anything you're thankful for in particular well i'll say this people enjoy your family on a crappy football thanksgiving day uh these games feel worse than normal which is which it is and what, what i'm thankful for, andy i'm thankful for you in this podcast it's been great um, thankful for everything that I have been allowed to do to speak my football opinions into the universe, to have them recorded and played back for me unmercifully has been <laughs> such a joy. Um, so thank you for that, Henry Maldonado Jr. It's, it's really appreciated for you to keep on reminding me of my bad takes. I appreciate it. Of course, who, where, where would we be if people did not hold us accountable for the horrible things that we say on a regular basis? That's so, right. Uh, and it's a coquito season. So if you want some coquito, reach out to Henry Maldonado Jr. Because it's it's pretty good. And he's shipping it out all across uh, the continental USA. So uh, and probably beyond, honestly, maybe I'm you know, falsely promoting it. But anyway, it's delicious. Get yourself a, a, a nice little jar of it because it's really good. All right. Well. I'm Randy Hammond on behalf of Matt Bushnell saying we'll see you guys next week. Have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank you guys for all the support and love. We love you guys so much. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the food. Be safe. Take care.